Welcome to the Tax Sale Podcast, where tax sale investing is made easy. My name is Casey Dim, and I'm a tax sale veteran. I'm the leading tax sale expert. I'm the author of the Tax Sale Playbook. I'm the founder of the Tax Sale Academy, and I'm your host right here on the Tax Sale Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me on today's podcast episode. As a reminder, this is a completely free podcast and is brought to you through and because of the Tax Sale Academy. If you are looking to learn more about investing in tax-defaulted real estate, just head on over to TaxSellAcademy.com. On this episode of the podcast, I want to discuss five things that will kill your tax sale business. Over the years, I've heard all the stories, all of the horror stories, that is, that people have faced in this business. I've even been through a couple of them myself. I've also been very, very lucky to have been able to spot many of these horrible situations over the years at the last possible second, thereby not putting myself into many other bad situations. Now, before I begin, I don't tell you this type of stuff to scare you. I tell you this type of stuff to help educate you on what you should be looking for to make sure that you don't make a horrible mistake. So let's go over five things that can kill your tax sale business. The first one is liability. When you own real estate, you own potential liability. The house that I live in, for example, my primary residence, my homestead, whatever you want to call it, it's a potential liability for me. If one of my friends comes over and they break their leg while walking in my yard, that's on me. They could sue me. Now, I have insurance, of course, and hopefully something like that would never happen, but the point is, it very well could. Your personal residence, the vehicle that you drive daily, the things that we think about daily, they're all liabilities. We wouldn't intentionally be negligent with these things because, again, we think about them daily. But what about that tax sale house? You know, the one that you got at a deep, deep discount because it had boarded up windows or a sagging foundation, maybe some rotten decks, that kind of stuff. Are you really going to be thinking about that house every single day? I've seen a situation before where somebody purchased a tax sale house and it knowingly had some sort of structural issues. One of the walls on that house, one of the side walls, actually ended up falling off of that house. And it didn't just fall. This was a zero lot line type house. You know where the houses are very, very close together. The wall literally fell onto the neighbor's house. And it did quite a bit of damage. So imagine waking up to that phone call that not only the wall fell off of your investment, but by the way, you also owe your neighbor for twenty dollars or $30,000 worth of damage that your wall caused to their house. So my advice is to not just go blindly into buying properties because they are, in quote, good deals. Think about the chances of the structure damaging someone or something. And maybe it's not the wall that collapses. That's obviously an extreme example. But maybe a child just walks onto your deck that's rotten and they hurt themselves. Liability isn't a concern that many people have until it's too late, until they get that notice of lawsuit. So be proactive and think about it today before you buy your first tax sale property or even your next tax sale property. The next potential issue that could kill your business is being in jail. It's pretty hard to operate your business from jail. And I've actually got a couple of my own stories about this one. One of them is that I bought a property at a tax sale auction in a northern state. Now, being from Florida, I don't typically deal with much snow here. 
But the area where I bought this property has their fair share of the white stuff every winter. And part of dealing with that snow is the requirement to remove it from the sidewalks. I didn't realize it at the time, but this helps to prevent people from having to walk around your snow pile into the road, and it's generally just a safety issue. Now, it's not just a requirement from the city, it's actually a city law. You must clear your sidewalk of snow within 24 hours in this particular city. And when you don't do it like you're supposed to, the city's gonna mail you some tickets. And when you don't deal with those tickets, they'll send you some more tickets. And when you don't deal with any of those tickets, they will send you a summons to appear in court. And when you don't appear in court, they will threaten to arrest you. All because of some snow which has melted since, and because you did not shovel it off of your sidewalk in time. I went through the same situation with a tall grass or a weed ordinance one time as well. Now luckily, I wasn't arrested and I've dealt with those issues since, and I know how to avoid them now, but it was obviously something that was very stressful for me at the time. And the circumstances could have been much, much different. I'll admit that I've made a number of mistakes in this business, and those in particular, they scared the heck out of me. So take the time to learn the laws that apply to you as the owner of a piece of real estate, especially when it's a building, and especially when you're an absentee owner that's perhaps not familiar with the laws in that area. Many of the properties at a tax auction have been eyesores for the area residents for many years. And those properties are gonna be on a county or city watch list, which means that the code enforcement officer in that area is going to routinely drive by those properties. And they know the moment you have purchased that property. They know you are now going to be the target for them to get that property put back into the condition that needs to be put into. So make sure that you are a responsible property owner and that you don't break the law because nobody wants to end up in jail. The next major potential issue are properties that get demolished. I remember speaking to a brand new tax investor many, many years ago, and she sank her entire savings into a tax sale house. And then about a week later, she got a letter informing her that this property was scheduled to be demolished within the next 10 days. And she was trying to figure out a way to save that property from demolition or to get her money back. In the end, neither option worked out. The city tore down the house that she just bought a couple of weeks prior, and she lost her savings, or at least a good portion of it. And it's such a sad, sad situation. But it was something that could and should have been avoided. Now, once she gave me the address to the property, it was quite literally 10 seconds and three mouse clicks before I found out the entire history of that property, including that it had been scheduled for demolition for well over a year, and that the actual date of the demolition had been scheduled for more than six months. This was the same exact information that she herself could have found in 10 seconds. And it would have saved her the issue of dealing with that demolition and saving her her life savings. Something else to note, is that in some areas, if you are the one who owns the property during that demolition, then you can also get that demolition bill. So tack on another $10,000, $15,000 to that already terrible investment that you made. And when you don't pay that, when you don't pay the bill that you get from the city or the county, many of these city or counties, they will refer you to collections. And those collection companies, those collection attorneys, they will take you to court. 
and this could quite literally bankrupt many people. So know what to research, know how to research, and most importantly, do that research. The next one are the governmental liens. And I've got a YouTube video coming out on this one here in the next week or so that shows a crazy example on how this will kill your business. So the tax foreclosure will generally wipe out all liens and encumbrances with the exception of the governmental liens. So in other words, if one government department puts a lien on your property, the tax collector can't just come in and wipe out that lien. That's silly. So the governmental liens will always stay. Unfortunately, many people don't understand this or they simply don't take the time to research this. What I usually see happen is a fairly nominal lien gets placed against the property for something like tall grass or trash on the property that needs to be cleaned up. And it's usually going to be fairly cheap, like $100 or maybe even $150. And it's usually part of an administrative order by the code enforcement office or whatever department is similar in your area. Then they'll give the owner a set period of time to correct those issues. And then if they don't correct the issue, they will issue another fine as motivation for that person to correct the issues, to clean the yard, bore the windows, mow the grass, whatever it is. That motivation typically comes as a daily fine to get you to solve that issue sooner rather than later. And it might be 25 bucks or 50 bucks a day. Not a big deal if you do it in a few days. And then after a set period of time, that daily fine might increase. It might increase substantially to 150 or $200 per day to put even more pressure on the owner. Now, if the owner ignores all this stuff, that can really start to add up. That $200 per day fine, that's $6,000 per month. And since it takes usually a couple of years to lose a property in a tax foreclosure, you could easily have $100,000 plus in fines that are owed to the county because of those daily fines accumulating. So that incredible deal that you got and you stood to make, say, $40,000 off of, it's now going to cost you $60,000 when you go to sell it since you'll have to pay off the city or the county lien. Do you see how this can be a bad situation? Again, know what to research, know how to research, and most importantly, do that research. The last one that I want to address today that will kill your business is refusing to pivot. Now, I'm guilty of this, as are many other people. We often get stuck in our routines. We have our own little way of doing things. But this isn't something where we control all of the variables. Now, if you brush your teeth one way or you tend to your garden one way or you cook your steak one way, whatever it is, good for you. You can do it however you want to when you control all of the variables. But as tax investors, there's a lot of other variables involved. It's not just us. We have to think about the defaulting owners, the tax collectors, the competition, the buyers, the properties, the market. All of these things are fluid. They change constantly. What works today might slowly stop working for you, or it might stop working altogether tomorrow, the moment you wake up. I am not the same investor that I was 10 or 15 years ago. Heck, I'm not the same investor that I was two or three years ago. I change strategies. I change processes. I change approaches. Now, it wasn't always like this for me. I've discussed the struggles that I had starting in 2008 when I refused to change my strategies despite the market changing. But at that moment, the moment I figured out I must pivot is the moment that I learned my lack of desire to pivot would have burned my business down. It would have put me out of business entirely. And that's the moment 
that I decided I need to change some things. So you must pivot and you must pivot quickly or your business is going to die. So there it is. There are five ways that you can put yourself out of business pretty easily if you don't pay attention to what you're doing. And there are certainly many other ways to put yourself out of business, but these are five issues that I've seen happen again and again over the years. So I truly hope that this podcast episode has helped you and has served as either a teaching lesson or a reminder of what not to do. Thank you so much for listening to me on today's podcast episode. Listen, if you enjoyed this podcast, please do me a huge favor and leave some positive feedback for us on whatever podcasting platform you're listening to us on right now. I notice each and every single five-star rating, and I'm so thankful for every one of you who have taken the time to leave those ratings. And if we can be of help in any way, be sure to check out the links in today's show notes, including one to our primary site at taxalacademy.com. Take care and make it a successful day. See ya.